Amen. All right, Bobby, you ready for this one? Okay, thank you for your vote of confidence there. It was the year 165 AD, right? Were you there? Thank you. I'm glad you said that. I'd have to talk to you later if you didn't. 165 AD, and this man's crime was he refused, listen, his crime, he refused to deny Jesus Christ and accept somebody else's Lord. So guess what? He was sentenced to die. And as he entered the stadium, the proconsul said to him, repent and swear by the genius of Caesar and I'll release you. To which this man replied, kid you not, for 86 years I have been his servant and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? If you vainly suppose that I will swear by the genius of Caesar as you request, and you pretend not to know who I am, listen to this guy, he's got spunk, then listen carefully. I am a Christian. Now, if you want to learn the doctrine of Christianity, uh, name a day and give me a hearing. <laughs> so the proconsul continues, I have wild beasts, I'll throw you to them unless you change your mind. But this man replied, call for him, for repentance from the better uh, to worst is a change that's impossible for us Christians. So now the guy's anger, the proconsul, he says, I'll have you consumed by fire since you despise the wild beast unless you change your mind. But this man said his infamous statement. He says, you threaten me with a fire that burns only briefly and after just a little while is extinguished for you are ignorant of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment which is reserved for the ungodly. But why do you delay? Come, do what you wish. And so off to the stake he went. When the fire was prepared, his accusers were about to nail him in place. But he says, leave me as I am. For he who enables me to endure the fire will also enable me to remain in the fire without the security of nails. And as soon as the fire was lit, a mighty uh, flame blazed up. But as it did, the fire took the shape of an arch, okay, completely surrounding the body of this martyr. It didn't burn him at all. And then all of a sudden, this fragrant odor, as if it were a sense of incense or some precious spice, began to permeate the air. And, and so obviously the lawless men eventually realized that this man's body was not going to be consumed by the fire. They ordered the executioner to go up to him and stab him with a dagger. And when they did, it's recorded that a large quantity of blood came out, so much so that it extinguished the fire. Listen, and the whole crowd was amazed that there should be such a great difference between the non-Christian and the Christian. The man's name, of course, in church history is Polycarp. He was a direct, church history records, disciple of the Apostle John. The same guy who wrote down the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, in me you will have peace. That really happened. How many guys would say, but boy, it's times like that, you really need God's peace. And aren't you glad he delivers? In me, you will have peace. Church history also records Polycarp did amazing things to carry the torch of true Christianity during that horrible time of persecution, okay? And uh, he was used mightily of God, okay? He's the Bishop of Smyrna there, okay? But uh, how many guys would say that that's a pretty cool life as a Christian, right? Amen? And the peace of God comes in handy just a little bit, right? Okay? Now, once again, folks, this is the problem that we see today. Even though God's the same God, right? Hello. Same yesterday, same forever. And we're just as much his children as Polycarp was, right? How many guys glad you didn't grow up with that name? Get that out of your head, so let's move on. I knew you were thinking that. But anyway, so that's right. Okay, but anyway. Many fish? No, that's not what it means. Many, uh, uh, but no, here's the problem, right? Most of us today as Christians, right? We read stories like that, but we, we, we look at the Bible. We read it in one hand. We look at our lives in the other as Christians. And we go, what's going on here, man? There's a, there's a disconnect. Right? It's not matching up. It's not coinciding together. Why is it these people like Polycarp get to be used mightily of God? And when they need the peace of God the most, it arrives every single time. How come they get to have that walk with Jesus? Here I am just fumbling around the door. I don't have a life worth living for. I get a life worth giving up. 
But once again, folks, this is the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. That kind of a life we're living for, like Polycarp had, believe it or not, is available to every single Christian. Turn to somebody and say it again. That means you. Okay? And that's why we're going to continue our study, A Life Worth Living For. Okay? And what we're doing is taking a look at the different keys I believe scripturally are pivotal if you and I are going to have those amazing walks with Jesus Christ like Polycarp had and experience all the benefits of that. Now, we already saw the first six times that first key to a life worth living for is when you and I discover how to experience God's joy. He's already given us his joy. We can maintain his joy. Believe it or not, it's supernatural on a regular basis in a joyless world. Unfortunately, the enemy does all kinds of tactics to rob us and short-circuit that, as we saw that before, okay? But you can maintain that joy. Why? Because it's about us? No. It's about you and I in these last days being a joyful witness in this joyless world, leading souls to Jesus. And then the last three times we saw the second key was a how to experience God's peace. And there we saw we can not only mess up being a positive witness for Jesus in the last days by not experiencing God's joy, but certainly his peace. Has anybody noticed that our world's just a little bit messed up? Have you noticed that the world's just a little bit stressed out, right? And so when you and I, hey, remember that, experience God's peace, it's a profound witness. Now, what's the problem? We get sometimes a little hypocritical, right, in that, in that witnessing aspect. We say, hey, come to Jesus. He's great. He's awesome. Or, hey, ever since I surrendered to the cross of Jesus Christ, my life has been so peaceful. Five seconds later, what's happening? We're all wigged out, stressed out, bugged out, just like the rest of the world. And don't think they're not watching, right? They are. Now, the thing is, we don't, it doesn't have to be that way. Again, just like with the joy, God's also given us his peace, his peace, right? And he's given it to us. But the problem is the enemy knows this. He doesn't want you and I to be these positive, wonderful witnesses for Jesus, certainly not in the last days as he's ramping up the Antichrist program. No. And so he does various things to get us to short circuit the peace of God from flowing to be those positive witnesses, okay? And we saw the first way he does that is by getting us to have a misplaced mind, okay? But that was the setup just for the second one, and that was a misplaced lifestyle. As we saw before, it's a two-bang punch. First, he gets us to listen to this music that we put in our ears to get us to think about all the wrong things to keep the peace of God from flowing. Remember the scripture, Philippians 4? Think about that which is right, excellent, praiseworthy, trustworthy, admirable, and true. What? Then what's going to happen? Peace of God. It's all over the place. So we hijack your mind, first of all, with the ears, with the music, to get you to think about junky things so you feel junky, okay? But also with the media, with your eyes. Now, that was all a setup we saw last time for the next thing. And the next thing was, he comes into you after you're all frazzled out now as a Christian. You don't have to be, but you've been adjusting all this stuff to freak you out. And then he says, hey, I noticed you're a little stressed lately, Christian. I wonder why. Music, media, music, media. Here's your panacea. Here's what you need to get that piece back. You need to buy stuff, right? You need things in your life. Isn't that, you've heard it, right? I just gotta have this thing. I gotta have this doodad. And I get, right? Uh. And we saw last week the way that he gets us to think that and live like that, which does not produce peace. It's called the rat race. And you kill yourself. Because you have no time for God, no time for people, no time for, no time for seeking Jesus and focusing on the world to come, which he says, that's when you experience my peace. Because we're running this rat race, this thing, this thing, huh? And we saw the first way he gets us to do that is with the school system. Remember, we saw that our school system has been hijacked. The Bible says in our schools, and Brian, you were talking about that this morning in your Book of Romans study, our country used to promote that, that the purpose of an education is to show yourself approved unto God. Not anymore, okay? The purpose of an education is to get a good job. Why? Because you need to get a good job so you can make a lot of money, so you can buy these things to impress these people you don't know who in the end don't even seek and care, Right? And you always got to keep up with the Joneses. And they always come out with something new. So you got to get something bigger, something better. So outdo him and outdo her. <laughs> and Jesus said, 
Don't do it. Don't love this world or the things of this world or the love of the Father is not in you. You run that way of life, yeah, maybe it's the American dream, but it's not God's dream. It's Satan's dream. Jesus said, if you live for this world and the things of this world, you will have trouble. Not peace, trouble. You counteract it by Christian realizing this is all temporary. Don't dig your tent stakes in too deep. Keep forward on the mission. Live for Jesus and the world to come. You get to be that positive, peaceful witness, right? Okay, that was just the first half because that was like, how does he get us to do it? I mean, we know the Bible says, seek Jesus and the things to come, the world to come. Woohoo, peace, yeah. Secular school system. Now today, we're going to look at the second way that he keeps it going. This one's fun. I've been waiting to get to this one. And it's so true. We're going to laugh at it. I hope so. Because it's so true. And that is the secular commercial system. The commercials, right? Stop and think about this, folks. We, they've been hijacked. If you thought the secular school system was bad enough uh, to influence you and I to seek peace, trying to seek peace from the things of this world, which can never happen, okay, you ain't seen nothing yet, okay? You see, the enemy knows what he's doing. He's slick. He's called the evil one for a reason, okay? You see, there's one drawback to the secular school system brainwashing procedure to get you to live for the things of this world instead of the things of God. Eventually, you get out of this system, Right? Everybody turn to Bobby and say, Bobby's a graduate. He are one. He are one this week. That's right, Bobby. Got to, right? Praise God, right? So eventually in the secular school system, you get out. Whether you get out of high school, you get out of college, whatever it is, you get out of this system that what? Is counterproductive to experiencing God's peace. It's drilling your head from we high. You got to get things, 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 things. Run, run, run. Fast, fast. I got to make this. You get out. What's he going to do? How is he going to keep that lie going in our heads? We're not in, under that lie anymore. How is he going to keep you and I being brainwashed and thinking that peace and contentment in life can come from a thing instead of God? Commercials. Because we all watch TV. It's commercials or even on the radio, right? He keeps the lie going in our brain that it's all about things. Things are what you need for peace in life. Folks, I'm telling you, this is, this is every commercial today is designed to get you to do the exact opposite of what God says to maintain his peace. Okay, every single one. They used to describe the product, not anymore. It's all a ruse to get you to think that this thing can bring you peace in life, and it can't. But let's remind ourselves why it can't. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Paul's going to talk about contentment. And if you want to know, an, I think, a, a common sense explanation of what is contentment, when you're content, what are you experiencing? Peace in action, right? It's like a verb. It's in action. Ah, I'm content. Peace. Peace in action. Contentment. Okay? And uh, Paul's going to tell us the secret. Well, how do you have that peace in action? How do you have that commitment on a regular basis, okay? And as you turn there, and we start, I want to give you the context there. Uh, Paul, of course, is able to make this amazing statement about God's contentment because he was vacationing at the Bahamas right now, and he just got inherited a couple billion dollars from a rich relative, and life was great. He had servants, you know, hey, oh, I'm sorry, wrong Bible. Uh, he was in prison. He was in a Roman prison, with all due respect, didn't have gyms or cable TV. This was you were dropped in a hole in a dank, dark dungeon. You may or may not have some straw to sit on. Oh, and your best friends were rats. That's the context that Paul makes this amazing statement. Real? Are you serious? You can have peace in action? I didn't say it. He did. He tells us what the secret is. Here's all you got to do. Verse 10, here's what Paul says. He says, I rejoice greatly because life is going great. This prison stuff's awesome. 
No, I'm sorry. So you can be joyful too. Wow, what a concept. I, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me, Philippian church. And indeed, you have uh, been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, first of all, back up there. He said, I'm not saying all this because I'm in need, right? right? He says, I've learned what? To be content, whatever the circumstances. And this isn't some fly-by-night thing. You say, well, you just don't know my pain, Paul. You've had it easy. You grew up with a silver spoon. He said, well, no, no, no. I've had high times. I've had low times. I know the secret now. I get it. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in what? Any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do, here it is, I can do everything through him. Who's him? Jesus, who gives me what? Strength. So, folks, this is another one of these obvious things. You don't have to get into some hidden Greek or, you know, southern Hebrew to figure out what's going on here. Okay? It's plain in our text. Paul says that true peace and contentment in life comes from who? comes from Jesus Christ, seeking Him and the world to come, what He's done for us. That, that's the secret to contentment, which again is what? That is peace in action. And he specifically spells it out, what our world is lying to us, that it is not going to come from the things of this world. It doesn't matter if you got plenty of things, if you got no things. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how low you have. That's not where it's at. It's in Jesus Christ. That's the secret. You, Christian, and I today, in any and every circumstances, yes, even that one, you can be content. You can have peace and action if you just seek it in God. That's it. I like the word that he used, secret, because we're so brainwashed today, even as Christians, might as well be a secret. But he's been proclaiming for 2,000 years. That's all you got to do. Seek Jesus. Seek the world to come. Focus on him. You have his joy. You have his peace. Wow. What a witness. Now, here's the problem. Every single commercial today, if you stop and think about it, gets you and I to do the exact opposite. Okay? If you don't believe me, let me explain the procedure to you. You come home from work, right? You make the unfortunate mistake, maybe you've turned on that TV. Now, prior to that, you were feeling pretty good in life as a Christian, right? You had a great time with the Lord. You put the things of the Lord in your mind all throughout the day, whether it be His Word or godly Christian worship, music, media, all your ears. You're focusing on Him. You're having a great time all the way throughout the day, okay? And you were experiencing His joy. You were experiencing His peace. But all of a sudden, you flipped on that TV, and once the very first commercial hit the screen, what did that commercial say to you, Bill? See, you think you're at peace, but no, you're not. No, you're not, buddy. Don't fool yourself, Mr. Christian Deacon guy. You're not at peace. No, 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 no. Don't you realize, Bill, that this thing is where it's at? And this thing, who cares what it is? It's just this thing will give you joy and peace and contentment. You'll be so satisfied and fulfilled with this thing. Isn't that what they say today? You should describe the product, but no more. Right? I remember one, one guy talked about, you know, in the old days, you know, they talk about, uh, remember that soap, Life Boy? Soap? And they used to have this uh, foghorn commercial, right? Life Boy gets rid of B.O., right? <laughs> and it's like, okay, there's a soap, and if I use it, it gets rid of B.O. They don't do that anymore. They don't even tell you about the soap. It's now become a way of life. These things have become a way of life. For instance, let me spell it out for you. Okay, ladies, it goes something like this. If you would only adorn yourself with this particular brand of makeup or eyeshadow, you'd be loved, you'd be content in life. If you would just wear this brand of clothing, if you would wash your hair with this shampoo, oh, 
you'd be so fulfilled. It's shampoo. Guys, they say the same thing. If you would drink this brand of alcohol, if you drive this model of car, if you would wear this pair of jeans, you'll, be la- you'll have to beat the ladies off with a stick, man. You're going to be, oh! If you get this thing. Oh, and by the way, every genre gets smacked by these commercials. Even the elderly folks. Apparently, all you need to do to add a little spice in your life, just buy a new set of tires. Apparently, that's all you got to do. Watch this. Hard left turn in 15 feet. Punch it. Dramatic right turn. Stop on the brakes. For drivers who want to get the most out of their cars, it's Bridgestone or nothing. Now tell me they don't know what they're doing and the purpose of it because what's the tagline? Passion for excellence. Now you guys seem to be hip, you know, cool. Got your thinking caps on. What in the world did that have to do with a set of tires? Did it even mention the tires? Did it mention the price of the tires? And for that's right, you discerning Christians, you guys, did it even describe the treadwear and the benefits of that? In the... No. It gave you and I the impression that what? A, that's right, a stupid set of tires can add spice to your life. Just get a set of tires. And this is why, folks, I'm telling you, the commercials today have been deliberately hijacked to get you and I to buy into this lie, okay? And here's the crux of the study, and we're going to continue on. Here's the lie. A material thing can somehow gratify your spiritual need. That's the lie. A material thing can somehow gratify your spiritual need. You know, like peace and joy and contentment from God. That's the lie, okay? The commercials today have been deliberately hijacked, I believe, by the evil one to get us to buy into this lie, folks, okay? And here's my point. We can laugh about this, but this has been going on for years, okay? Uh, even as far back as the 60s and 70s, they started, you know, used to be, oh, no, okay? They started to change it and become a way of life, a philosophy with this thing, okay? It's materialism, okay? To think that things can give us peace, okay? In fact, it's so bad, folks, that we're told now today that this thing, right? It's a, now it's a group thing, right? That this thing not only could give you peace in life if you just buy this thing, right? But if you buy this thing and if we all bought it in mass somehow, it could bring peace to the whole planet. Whoa. How many of you guys remember this commercial? I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. I don't know about you guys, but I, I just, I'm just, I can't believe this. I hope they play this over and over all day today on the news. This is incredible. I mean, it's obvious. Did you guys not listen to that? What is it that can bring perfect harmony 
to broken humanity? What is it that not even the UN can accomplish? What is it that not apparently that God is able to do? What is it that's able to bring peace to our whole planet? A stupid can of pop. Didn't tell you even what it tasted like. Didn't tell you how much. Didn't tell you nothing. But if you buy the... Oh, unless you doubt, it's the real thing. The real thing. That's right. But that's not all. They, they, they're very tricky. They're very emotionally seductive, too, in this brainwashing procedure. This thing can gratify your spirit. What they do is they, you'll be sitting there. You'll be doing just fine, right? Okay? Maybe you haven't got impacted too much by the commercials yet into this lie. And you're still at peace, right? You're feeling pretty good. And then all of a sudden, what they do is they will play a commercial that robs you of your peace... And then you better do what the commercial says to get your piece back. Watch, watch this, okay? It works apparently very effectively. Let's watch. I know how to sit, how to fetch, and how to roll over. What I don't know is how I ended up in here. But I know that I am a good dog, and I just want to go home. When you buy Pedigree, we make a donation to help shelter dogs find loving homes. The Pedigree Adoption Drive. Help us help dogs. Okay, I will, man. I promise I will. I will. I was feeling great before I'm watching. I no, no, just see this little nose coming out of the deal. I told and if I buy that dog food, I'm going to bring pee. I'm going to help the dog. I'll do it. I promise. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. What, what even kind of flavor of dog food was it? How much did it cost? What is the way? Am I getting a good buy? Nothing. You want that piece back, Jenny? You better buy that dog food. Right? They steal it from you, and then here's the deal, okay? You got guilted into it, okay? But that's not all. Probably one of the most effective ones uh, that they do is uh, what I'm about to show you, okay? Now, we all joke about this, right? When we run for materialism and things in the rat race, and we go crazy, and ha-ha, we're running like rats, rat race, rat, 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 rat. See, in the, in the past, they used to kind of hide that because that's what they're getting us into, this rat frenzy, and we don't experience God's peace. But now today, they don't even hide it. They admitted that they've got us into this crazy rat race. We're running like a bunch of rats. And the commercials today, they don't hide it. In fact, they make fun of it. In fact, they say, hey, listen, you're all going to be a rat anyway because you're all falling for this lie. You might as well be the coolest rat on the block. Watch this. Notice the word soul. This is where the spiritual need can be met. This is your soul, a new way of life. Let me see if I get this right, Bobby. I mean, you might be more discerning than me. Apparently, I have no idea what kind of car that is, what gas mileage, how much it costs. Who cares? But apparently, I can be a, dra a rat driving this or a rat driving that. I could be a rat driving a toaster, or I could be a rat driving a car. I could be a rat driving that Kia, or I could be a rat driving a cardboard box that we all know hates when it folds up on you down the middle of the road. 
That's not cool. I got an idea. How about not being a rat at all? How about in the midst of that rat race that they now make fun of us, you walk around as a person in love with Jesus Christ as they're all running like that and point them to Jesus? Wouldn't that be better? In fact, the scripture says, folks, that uh, this is exactly what you're going to get. You run after the world, that, that never works. You'll get for trouble. And tell me it doesn't affect us, because I've heard that I don't know how many times. Oh, Pastor Billy, you know, it's just commercials, you know, it's just entertainment. It has no effect on us whatsoever. In fact, that's why we watch the Super Bowl. Who cares about the game? We just watch those Super Bowl commercials. Are you serious? <laughs> Stop and think about the logic of that statement. It has no effect on you. Really, really? They spend billions, not millions, billions of dollars on these ads, on an annual basis, not millions, billions of dollars. Why? Because they got billions to burn. It's a waste of time. It has no effect on anybody. Excuse me? Because they know that that investment of billions of dollars in all these ads to not even tell you about the product, but hey, this material thing can gratify your spiritual thing, that it works on us. And they will not only break even, they'll make billions more. It works. It affects us. And if you don't think it doesn't, folks, it all culminates on something called Black Friday. This is the rat holiday, right? Here it is, supposed to be a time about Jesus, about his birth, coming into this world to give us peace and joy to the world. And now it's become a rat race. And now, you tell me these people buying this lie culminate on the rat holiday if these people are full of peace. Here's what happens every single year, and it gets worse every year. Let's take a look. Black Friday is finally dying down, but now... Video of the madness is going viral. We found this video from a Saginaw Walmart. People were pushing and shoving, trying to get their hands on DVD players and GPS devices. They even toppled one of the displays. Black Friday shopping off to a painful start for shoppers at a Los Angeles area Walmart. Police say that a woman sprayed fellow shoppers. This actually happened with pepper spray in the packed store. <laughs> Commercials have no effect on me whatsoever. Nothing. No at all. Let's all join hands today. Let's sing some Christmas uh, carols and hey, let's tase one another. Hey, yeah, spice it up in here. That's hey, Earl, can I borrow your pepper spray? He's trying to get my Xbox. <laughs> Has no effect on us whatsoever. Why do people act like this? Because you're doing the exact opposite of what the Bible says you need to do for peace. Right? You're acting like the world. Okay, this is what James warned. You want, why is there so many fights and quarrels and people treating each other, tasing each other, pepper spray, what? Here, here's what he says, James chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? I've got to have this thing, i got to have this thing. It's this thing, it's going to give me peace. Gonna, hey, get out of there. Last one on the show. You want something, but you don't get it. Okay, you kill, you covet, but you can't have it, what you want. You quarrel and you fight. Got to have it, got to have it. You don't have because you don't ask God. But listen, 
When you ask, God doesn't give it to you because you ask with what? Wrong motives. You really think, oh God, I need this thing because apparently you can't give me peace in life. This thing will. You think he's going to give it to you? You ask with the wrong motive, okay? That you may get what you spend uh, on, your, on your pleasures, okay? You adulterous people. Don't you know, Christian, that friendship with the world acting like that is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes what? An enemy of God. And how many guys say walking around acting like you hate God as if he's deficient and he can't give you joy and peace and he doesn't know how to take care of you is not a good witness. Because that's the message that we're sending. You're not going to experience his peace. You made it out of the secular education system. But the enemy keeps the lie going. Real creative with this technology called commercials. Folks, I am convinced that this is spiritual warfare. It's not just about you and I experiencing God's peace. It's about being a positive advertisement for Jesus in a peaceless world. The devil does not want you and I to be peaceful in God. He wants us, listen, he wants us to be peaceless in God. There's a word for that. It's called discontent. Right? Apparently, being saved from eternal damnation and hell, being promised heaven beyond your wildest dreams is not good enough. You're discontent. Somehow, that's not enough. And so what do you do as a Christian? You walk around with this message. God, you're no good. Oh, we never say that, but the way we live. says, God, you're no good. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to take care of me. You're not what I need. I need this material thing for peace in life. And I've actually seen Christians get mad at God because they didn't get the thing. Excuse me? What an offense that must be to him. First, get music and media into us and to get a misplaced mind to rob us of the peace. He comes in with the secular school system, the commercials, to get us to live this misplaced lifestyle, living for this world to come and, or living for this world, not the world to come. And we're running crazy because it takes a lot of money and you get that money, it takes a lot of time and you take all your time. I don't have time for God. I don't have time for families. I don't have time for nothing. I'm just going crazy and I'm going faster and faster and, and I'm busy and I'm busy and I'm busy and I can't. Uh, uh. And we wonder why we don't experience God's peace. It's Satan's tactic in these last days to destroy not only us as Christians, but corporately as the church. And you tell me if it's not working. Let's take a look at this.
all starts to make sense, doesn't it? I tell people today, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. You're being seduced away from God. See, we're all going to be under somebody's yoke. You're going to serve somebody, but you can't serve two masters. If you're too busy for God, you're under Satan's yoke, and you will not have rest or peace. Rather, what we need to do is remember the words of Jesus in closing. Here's what he said. Here's his great promise. Matthew 11, verse 20 through 23. Jesus said, come to who? Me. Not this material thing. Come to me, Jesus. All you who are weary and burdened, are you tired or running like a rat? Are you tired of that cycle? It never satisfies. It's never enough. All you who are weary and burdened, like I, Jesus, will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will, not maybe, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus said, is easy, and my burden is light. If we're serious about not just us experiencing the peace of God, which, what is rest? Peace in action. And we've got to take off Satan's yoke. Get off the rat race. Run for righteousness. Run for Jesus. Focus on him. Live for him. Put his yoke on you. And you will find rest and peace for your souls. And then, as you live that way in a peaceless world, God will use you to bring a whole bunch of rats to Jesus Christ. And turn to somebody and say, Hey, I used to be a rat. But I'm not anymore. Let's not just say it. Let's live it and lead souls to Jesus Christ in these last days. Amen? Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. 
Hey folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, 
and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.